And to get us started today, we are going to take a three-question quiz. Are you ready? This quiz is going to help us identify who the wimps are in the room and who the courageous, bold people are in the room. Are we ready? Here we go. First question. When your food comes out to you at a restaurant and it's, say, it's undercooked or not to your liking, raise your hand if you absolutely will not, under any circumstances, send it back. Hold your hand up. Look around, because these are the good people. These are the moral people. And why don't we send the food back? Because they're going to spit in the food, right? You know they're going to spit in the food. That is just an established rule around the world. We're not sending the food back. Second, um, raise your hand if when the garage door is coming down, if you have a garage door, uh, if you were, if when the garage door is coming down, do you have to wait until the garage door goes all the way down before you can shut the door and go in the house. If that's the case, raise your hand, right? And why do we do this? There's a very good reason. Because there are ninjas lurking outside, ready to roll on the ground, right? And and come right underneath the ground. And then raise your hand if you absolutely, under no circumstances, or under all circumstances, you will avoid at all costs any political or religiously tense conversations with your family. All right? Raise your hand, look around. These are the wise people in the room, right? Yeah, there's nothing like these family group chats. Well, if the president wasn't a socialist or if, you know, if the president wasn't going to bomb North Korea, you know, uh, those, are, those are super awesome and super fun. Um, so the question is, are you naturally the kind of person that is willing to do things that are outside of your comfort zone? And I will say, individually for me, I'm willing to do things that are way outside my comfort zone. But when it comes to relational things, I will not. And that's because how many of us in the room are God's chosen people and we're introverts. Raise your hand. One third of the people in the room. Absolutely, right? Because extroverts have a tendency, right? They're willing to, to take a little bit of a risk relationally, those of us who are introverts. But actually, statistically, when it comes to personality theory, oftentimes it's the extroverts that have the hardest time talking about things that might actually end in conflict, where sometimes it's the introverts actually that have an edge, right? How many of you are the kind of person that you will avoid conflict pretty much at all costs, right? Because if there's some conflict to be had, Jesus can do it, right? And then I'll I'll go on. Today, what we're going to do is we're continuing our series called Beyond, and we're talking about sharing our faith And what we have to do is we have to, in some way, shape, or form, grapple with how God has wired us. That we're all very fundamentally different when it comes to how we engage conversations, how we're going to connect with people, um, how we're going to act relationally. We all have proclivities and fears and tendencies and habits and all of these different things that are a big ball that that are basically sums up who we are. And today what we're going to talk about is It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because there's one thing that trumps 
all of these fears. There's one thing that trumps all of these tendencies that we have. There's there are, our, our reluctance, all of that. There's one thing that trumps and overcomes all of these, and we're going to look at this today. Um, beyond, we've been looking in this series uh, about how the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas started right here, right here. Here we go, in, in Antioch. And then they went to Barnabas' home island in Cyprus. They went over here to Perga. And then they went to the center of Turkey, uh, which was an incredibly dangerous and scary place. Even to this day, modern day Iconium is the Turkish town Konya. And if you go to that town uh, without a hijab and... um, it, 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 you, you, you just don't want to go there unless you're wearing a hijab, okay? And so it's because it's the center of the region, it's very conservative, and so what we're going to find is it progressively gets worse for the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They did not get a warm reception in Pisidian Antioch, and then they go to Iconium, Lystra, and Derby, and it gets really, really bad. Look at what happens. Acts 14.1 says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. And there was a plot afoot among both the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. They found out about it. And they fled to the the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe. So if you can bring the map up, right? They realized that the message was not well received here. And so to avoid getting killed, they went to Lystra and Derbe. And what happened there? In Lystra sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth, but had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, and he saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Has anybody ever mistaken you for a god? That happened last night. I got into bed and, and Lisa was like, Lord, your feet are cold. And I said, listen, when we're at home, you can just call me Brian. Okay. And no, she didn't say that at all. She would be aghast right now. She's anyway, anyway, but so they, they thought, oh my goodness, like you are gods. And why is that? Because in central Turkey, there was a uh, historical belief that two gods, Zeus and Hermes showed up. And they weren't very well received in a town, so they destroyed a neighboring town. And the city of Lystra was like, we're not going to have that problem. We're going to receive them. So the gods have come down in human form because they performed a miracle. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes. 
because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. What a difference! We get kicked out of this city because they wanted to kill us. We come to this city and they want to worship us. Here's a picture in the uh, Athenian um, National uh, Museum in Athens. Incredibly, they, they found this in the sea. And normally, this is Zeus where there would be a thunderbolt. And Zeus is the chief of the uh, uh, Greek gods. And it was also in charge of the rain, thunder, right? And then there is Hermes. And so Hermes is the spokesperson. So Zeus is just not going to talk to anybody. It's like the president, you know, when there's a, like a daily media briefing where they send out the spokesperson and all the people are in the media and they're asking questions. That's who Hermes was. And they said, that's who Paul is. And obviously Barnabas, who probably was much bigger than Paul, he obviously is Zeus. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul heard this, They tore their clothes, rushed out in the streets. Friends, why are you doing this? Why are you sacrificing animals to us? Lean over to the person next to you and tell them truthfully, yes or no, if someone started sacrificing animals to you and worshiping you, would you stop them or not? Go ahead. Just share that with the person next to you. Yeah? No? I'm thinking, I don't know. I might have been a little flattered. Come on. What else? What else you got? What else you got for me? And uh, but Paul was like, this is, this is blasphemous according to Jewish law. You can't do that. Friends, why are you doing this? We're only human too. Verse 16. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to turn you from these worthless things, it says in verse 15. And turn you to the living God. Who is the living God? You think Zeus brought about the rains for your crops. But in the past, he, the true living God... Let all nations go, this way, go their own way. Yet he has not left them without his testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. But you knew the good situation was going to turn bad at some point, right? Because every place that they went... They had a group of people following them. And it says in verse 19, and then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium won the crowd over and they picked up stones and they stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city to continue to stone, dismember his body, thinking that he was dead. But it says the disciples gathered around him And then he got up and went back into the city. Here's my question. Why would you keep doing this? If every single place that you went, people were treating you like crap. Like, why would you keep doing this? And, you know, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, whether you like conflict, whether you avoid conflict, regardless of how we're all wired, we are all really wrestling with this idea of of how are we actually going to bridge creating conversations with people of faith if it might not go well for us and the question is this and I actually wrote this out 
what is so important about Christianity? Right? There, there are thousands of religions in the world. Well, what is so important about Christianity that it's worth offending the people who lovingly and authentically embrace these and thousands of other religions? Right? How would we do that? Just let them do what they do. Uh, we're in northern India, and we're going back um, in these areas. And um, we're in these little villages, and most of the homes have these little shrines where they put little gods. And it's a combination of Hinduism, but also worshiping the sun and the moon. And it's uh, um, anthropologists call it syncretism, basically where you mesh together different religions and I'm like, these people seem reasonably happy. What, why, why would we even mess with this? Why would we do that? Let me just name off some of these religions, right? There are thousands. Ananda Marga. Chinawadism. Uh, Shintao. Baha'i. Dhammakaya. Hinduism. Shingao Buddhism. Orphism. I can't pronounce most of these. I'm not going to act like I can't. Go on and on. But here's the question. Let me ask you again. Can you put the question back up again? What is so important about Christianity that even whether they're atheists or whether they're other religions, right, that that it's worth offending the people who lovingly and authentically uh, embrace these and thousands of other religions? Like they're getting some value out of them. It helps them in some way. Why would we even think that we should like mess with that? One word, and I want you to write this down. Propitiation. Propitiation. Propitiation is the central idea of Christianity. If, if you don't understand this, you don't understand Christianity. Propitiation is an offering that turns away wrath. I want you to think of like a pagan temple, right? Where they go and they take an animal. There's the God up there. And there's an animal. And then they sacrifice the animal and they leave it there. And they're like, is this enough? Does this, does this satisfy your wrath? And if it does, then we're good. The sacrifice of this animal has propitiated or averted or turned away the wrath of the deity. And we, we're like, that is like the stupidest thing ever. Like these weird kind of religions that like you're going to like somehow think that this, this phone that I'm going to turn off over here and uh, just kidding with you, this, this, this animal somehow I'm going to like kill it in his life and that's going to turn away the wrath of the deity. But that honestly, that is the core of Christianity. Romans chapter 3 says this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, a hilasterion in Greek, a propitiation. But here's the thing you have to understand. God is the presenter, God is the sacrifice, and God is the deity looking down. God is the sacrifice, God is the presenter, and God is the deity looking down. 
Romans 3, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he has left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that, and this is the whole point of Christianity, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ Jesus. Sacrifice of atonement, if you can bring the next slide up. Hilasterion is a propitiatory gift for the gods. So does everybody understand this? The key understanding of Christianity is that human beings are sinful. And without a hilasterion, a propitiation, a propitiation to appease God, that we would be destroyed, essentially. In hell. That is the core idea of Christianity. The Apostle John said it this way this is love, not that God loved, not that we loved God, but that God loved us, and then He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice, a hilasterion for our sins. God sent himself as a propitiation for his own sense of justice. A number of years ago, um, a lady came and visited our church on Easter. And at the end of Easter service, man, she was fuming. And um, I was like, oh man, what did I say now? What did we do? What's going on? And uh, so she comes up. And she's like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, come over here. Kids are over there with the husband. She said, I've been to, I've been to this church on Easter for four years in a row. And it's the same thing. Death. Blood. Sacrifice. Cross. I said, oh, you mean the crucifixion of Jesus? She said, yeah. I said, and what are you saying? She said, that's not the point of Easter. I'm like, what do you mean that's not the point of Easter? She said, the point of Easter, and she pointed to her daughter's dress was pink dresses, Easter bunny, Easter eggs, lunch with, at grandma's house. That's what Easter is, is at. And every single year when I come, you keep talking about Jesus dying. And, and I, I was like, I don't have the heart to tell you, but if you come back next year, I don't know. I might slip it in at some point. And, and, you know, we, you know, in the 21st century or whether like 50 million years from now, we keep asking the question, why did God make it? This is the way for us to help us find our way back to God and to find wholeness and to be forgiven and to appease his sense of justice. I don't know. He was working through the Jewish religion. And that's how he did it. J. Vernon McGee said, this is God's universe and he's doing things his way. You may think you have a better way, but you don't have a universe. And so um, here's, what I want you to do is every time you think of a religion, what I want you to do is I want you to think of the words not enough. Okay, so for instance, can you bring these up here? So Judaism, I know some great people who are Jewish, 
But the system is not enough of a sacrifice to propitiate, to avert the wrath of God. Okay? That Buddhism, it's not enough to be a lifelong Buddhist and the religious practices that you're going to engage with will not be enough of a sacrifice to avert the wrath of God. Jainism, Islam, Hinduism, simply it's not enough. Being any kind of religion is not enough. So for instance, basic tenets of Islam, right? Um, The Shahada, right? You shall uh, um, uh, be a faithful Muslim who believes there's no God but Allah and uh, Muhammad is his messenger. Praying five times a day. You're going to fast during Ramadan, which admittedly, bro, that's a tough one. Um, Giving alms to the poor. Making a pilgrimage to Mecca one time in your life that if you do those five things, you go to heaven. And what God is saying is that even if there are wonderful people who are Muslims, and there are, that is not enough of a propitiation of a gift to avert the wrath of God. That, you know, you could... It doesn't matter if you felt better with those beliefs, if those beliefs gave your life meaning and purpose, if those beliefs rescued you from a controlling addiction, if those beliefs saved your marriage, if those beliefs gave you hope in the world. Those beliefs are simply not enough to pay for your sin. And what Christianity is saying is that only God himself could be the propitiation. Simultaneously, the judge looking down and the offering, God made this way possible. And that's what Christianity is all about. The central idea of Christianity is that we do not judge anybody in the world because we are just as sinful as everybody else. But we're saying that Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because only God's sacrifice would be enough to avert the wrath of God. And that is the good news of Christianity, is that we know this. And so what I want you to think right now is, Jesus went, became a human being, and died on the cross, and went through all of that and rose from the dead. And then he now turns to you and he says, I need you to go tell your friend this good news. You are going to have to be the one who's going to take the ball from here and get it across the goal line. You're the one that's going to have to do that. He made the sacrifice We are the ones who are going to be the bridge that are going to get people this good news. So that's what this series is all about. I just wanted to make sure that we understand Christianity is not a self-help religion. Christianity at its core, admittedly, is disturbing. But that's because how disturbing our sin is. That's how disturbing our, our brokenness is and the way we've treated each other. And and the evil that's in the world. All of that 
is laid on Jesus at the cross. So now we can find our way back to God. So let's just pray that uh, right now, God, that you would help us um, uh, have open doors of conversations that we wouldn't feel under compulsion or weird or anything. That, that over the next few days and the next few weeks, God, that we pray that if you open the door to a conversation, that we will enter into it knowing we're not alone, knowing that we have the message that people need to hear, and knowing that once received, this will change people's lives. Give us the boldness of Paul and Barnabas. Give us the love of Paul and Barnabas that even in the midst of difficulty, we're willing to share your message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.